Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today, and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. But I've titled today's message, Choosing the Way of Forgiveness. Choosing the Way of Forgiveness. Around about 18 years ago, um, I was, we were lucky enough to buy our first four-wheel drive. We bought a Mitsubishi Challenger, and uh, this year over... The, uh, the Christmas New Year break, we decided that we'd go to a little place called Gloucester. Anyone heard of Gloucester? And so we thought we'd go to Gloucester for a holiday. And, and I looked at the map and I, and I had a look where we had to go. And so we went from Mudgee, you know, to Meriwa, to Scone. And then from Scone, we were going to go straight over the Barrington Tops. And uh, as we came to an intersection where there was a dirt road that said Gloucester, uh, and the road in front of us was still sealed. I noticed on the T intersection sign that you could keep on going straight ahead and still get to Gloucester and it was sealed slightly longer. But I thought, hey, why, why don't we just stick to the good smooth road? You know, let's stick to the good road. And so we did. We chose to, well, I chose to stick to the sealed road, the nice sealed road uh, that continued for about another 10 kilometers. And, uh, and then there was a signpost that looked like it was half broken off and it said Gloucester and it was like pointing through a paddock and it was like a, a, a bullock track. And, and I sort of said to Rochelle, well, we've come 10 minutes out of our way now. We may as well just continue going this way. And let me tell you, we, we ended up going on literally this bullock track that I believe they call the scenic route. You ever, you ever know that when you go on a holiday and they say, you know, there's a scenic route? Well, this was really the scenic route to Gloucester. And uh, it took us a long way out of our way. It was quite pretty. But let me tell you, it was quite a challenge to drive this road. We we're going alongside escarpments. And it was literally that if you got to another place on the road where someone was coming in the opposite direction, you would have to stop and someone would have to yield. You know, it was like, are you backing up or I'm backing up? Because we're not going to get anywhere here. But, you know, when it comes to life and, and the decisions that we make, I, I, I feel that sometimes, I, you know, I'm inclined to always want to take the smooth road, to take the easy road. But that's not always the way that we see our lives pan out. And, and we often see that in life we end up finding ourselves on, on the rough track. And, and, and the Bible tells us, as we're going to refer to that scripture shortly, that there is a narrow way that leads to life. But the broad way, the broad way that looks like it's easy and it's, and it's smooth, actually leads to destruction. And there was one thing that occurred after I had driven on that road was this vehicle had a tailgate and I could never get rid of an annoying rattle in that tailgate. Try as I might, that rattle was with the rest of that car's life as long as we had it. I couldn't, I couldn't, and no amount of adjusting would get rid of that rattle and we were left with that. As I said, choosing the way of forgiveness uh, is, is what we want to look at today and uh, and how we react towards those around about us who have wronged us, I believe, requires at least three key ingredients for us in our lives. And, and the first one is we need to be prepared. The second one is we need to have perspective. And the third one is we need to be prayerful. And I'm going to come back to those, those points um, towards the end of this talk today. But I want us to look, if you've got your Bibles there today, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 7 and verses 12 to 14. And... Uh, and in the New Living Translation, you, you might find that this will say the golden rule over this scripture. The golden rule. And it starts here in verse 12 and it says, Do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate 
The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for all the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. You know, the Bible, Jesus is telling us that the road that leads to life is, is a difficult road. It's, it's, it's a road that's counterintuitive to our natural nature that says, just give me a smooth road. Give me the easy way in life. And yet we're told here in, in, in Matthew's gospel that the road that leads to life is going to be a life that's a little bit difficult. It might get a little bit challenging from time to time. We might find ourselves at our wits end wondering, did I actually take the right turn? Should have I gone back where it looked a lot smoother? Jesus, I believe, wants us to be people that are prepared and he gives us answers in his word as to what uh, living for him is going to look like. He says there that, 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 that there's few that find that narrow way. And uh, my encouragement uh, to us today is, hey, you know, life might be a little bit rocky and relationships might get a little bit strained from time to time, but the Bible uh, uh, reassures us that this is the way that leads to life. And so if you're finding in life that things get a little bit uh, tenuous from time to time, relationships get a little bit strained, guess what? <laughs> We're on the road that leads to life. We're on the road that leads to eternal, eternity with Jesus. I want to share a quick joke and, uh, and hopefully it relates and hopefully it lands. One day Bob was walking down the street when he noticed a kid sitting on his front veranda holding a fishing rod and jiggling the line in a bucket. As he reaches the kid, Bob stops for a better look. Seeing that the bucket is empty, he asks the kid, What are you fishing for, son? The kid looks up and says with a shrug, with a shrug Suckers mainly. Bob smiles and asks, Caught any yet? Kid replies, Yep, you're the 10th one today. <laughs> you know, in life we're all faced with a choice. Sometimes just like Bob, we walk straight into them. Will I choose to allow my carnal nature to control and direct me or will I choose to allow my new nature, the nature that's created to be like God, will I, will I allow that new nature to direct my life? You know, I've found in life that I've been and continue to be sufficiently supplied with occasions to test whether I'm going to operate in my carnal nature or if I'm going to operate in my new nature. Anyone find that in life? I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure I'm in a room full of people or there's people listening to this podcast at a later date that can relate that, that in life we come up against, you know, people that can be difficult. We come up against situations that can really test the mettle of, of whether we're going to operate out of a place of a renewed nature or whether we're going to allow the carnal nature to rise up and, and really at times make, make things more complicated than they need to be. And... Uh, even Jesus himself, you know, praise God that Jesus as our Savior has gone before us in all things, amen. And Jesus himself, even Jesus got to choose. In, in John's gospel in chapter 10 and verse 18, it says, No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again for this is what my Father has commanded. You know, just as it was Jesus' God-given task, it was also Jesus' choice to actually lay his life down. And I've found that in life, um, when, when I'm wronged and when things happen, it, it's sort of like, you know, 
it, 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 it hurts me, it, it can upset me, I can become, you know, uh, in a way sort of affected by that, and, and none of us wouldn't be affected by that. But you see, I've, I've got a choice as to whether I allow that to continue to fester and brood in my life, or do I choose to go the way of forgiveness? Do I choose to allow uh, God's new nature that's, you know, been created and, and imparted into my life, do I allow that to actually come to the fore at this point in time? Or do I just continue to fester in a place that's going to be unprofitable for me? See, Jesus had a choice. Even though it was God's task to him to do that, Jesus, it was still Jesus' choice to actually lay his life down. I don't know if that's ever occurred to you. He didn't have to do it. <laughs> he chose to lay his life down, irrespective of whether it was the Father's will or not. He was always going to do the Father's will, but he still he had a choice in that. And I believe the gravity of Jesus' choice in choosing to lay his life down and show us the way in Luke's gospel, chapter 22, verse 39, which I haven't got there. But, you know, this was a time where Jesus found himself in the garden and he was, you know, sweating. He was praying. And, and we believe from, from, from the narrative of the scripture that Jesus' body went through a tremendous amount of anguish at that point in time. So much so that it says he, he sweated like drops of blood from himself. You know, the amount of stress and, and that that was inflicted upon him at that time. And, uh, and Jesus, you know, still ultimately came to that place that God's will must be done. Irrespective of whether I have choice in this. And, and he, he, he even prayed to God, God, if there is another way. If there is any possible other way that, that, that you could allow this to happen, then, then you know... <laughs> Allow that to happen, but I still want to do your will. I still want to go your way. And God's way was for Jesus the way of the cross. It was the way of laying his life down that we might have life. And so I want us just to look at one of the sayings of Jesus in, in Luke's gospel, um, chapter 22 and verses 33 to 35. And this is the lead up to uh, Jesus being crucified and it said, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Jesus said this, and this is key for today, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his garments by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers sneered at him, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. Amazing prayer that, that Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. It's really interesting to note that a similar prayer was prayed by Stephen in Acts uh, chapter 7. But leading up to Stephen praying that prayer in Acts chapter 7, we're going to have a quick look at that just to parallel this in Acts chapter 6 verse 8 to 10. Stephen, this is who he is, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day some men from the synagogue of free slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. Anyone ever, ever ended up into a debate with someone? <laughs> How did it go? <laughs> did it go well? Do you feel like you, you won and, and, and you got your point across the line? Mm. Interesting how debates can go sometimes. One day, some men from the synagogue of free slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. Get this verse 10. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. 
I don't know if you, you, you know the story of Stephen, but just to recap the story of Stephen, this was the type of man that he was. He moved powerfully in the Holy Spirit. It says that he performed amazing miracles and signs amongst the people. And do you know the job that Stephen got given? <laughs> uh, looking after widows in the daily distribution of food. <laughs> and I think he's a man that was uh, going around and, and, the, and the power and the Spirit of God was so powerful on his life. And yet his, his primary charge by the apostles was to look after some widows. <laughs> like a a food program and you think wow what a place to be where there's a man you know that seems like he's got so much to offer and yet here he is looking after widows and you may remember how important widows and orphans are to Jesus Jesus said you know that 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 the widows and the orphans are the ones that you know he really says you know the kingdom belongs to those such as these that that look after the widows and the orphans and 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 it just ties back in because sometimes we can think in life that, that we can be a little bit above it all. But Stephen was a man that was prepared to, you know, move in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. But he was also a man that was willing to serve in whatever capacity in any area he had. How did, those, how did the synagogue of free slaves repay Stephen? Uh, Acts 7 verse 59 to 60. As they stoned him. Wow. Stephen. They couldn't, couldn't win a, a, an argument or a discussion with him. So what are they going to do? They're going to cause a false accusation to come against him. They're going to falsely accuse him of blasphemy, just as they did for, with Jesus. And what does Stephen do? Here in, in chapter 7, it says, As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died or as some translations might read he slept or he went to sleep you know jesus prayer as was stephen's prayer were the prayers of truly free men and uh, it's really interesting to note that that he was stephen with with a group of people and, and and we don't exactly know who this synagogue of free slaves were um but they were people that were in bondage of some sorts either to the romans or and they were, they were released. And so they formed a synagogue and they called it the synagogue of free slaves or the synagogue of free men. And, and the interesting thing is that it was actually Stephen that was free. <laughs> you know, that these guys were still bound up, even though that they were, you know, in the natural, they were released from their slavery. They were still enslaved to an old system. And Jesus' prayer, Stephen's prayer, was the prayer of truly free men, people who were not controlled by an automatic sin-filled and an emotional charged response. Anyone ever had an emotional charged response? <laughs> had an emotional charged response lately? Maybe you had an emotional charged response this morning uh, on your way to church. Um, it's good to be human, isn't it? It's good to be, re- be reminded about our humanity. But I believe that because they were truly free men, it resulted in a prayer of genuine forgiveness. Genuine forgiveness despite a lack of remorse or acknowledgement of sin or wrongdoing from their offenders. And let me tell you, it takes a a love that is out of this world to be able to get to a place where you can automatically say, I I just, my automatic response is I'm going to forgive that person. I'm not going to hold this offense against them. You know, I, I can see that, that there is a greater good at stake here and it's that person valuing that person's eternity over the words or the actions that they have used against you. That God, 
through the power of forgiveness can actually reach those people and transform their lives as well. This is, it's so counterintuitive to our natural mind, but this is the kingdom and this is the way the kingdom operates. I like this saying uh, or quote from William Barclay. don't know if he's a relation to Tom. But anyway, it says, Christian freedom does not mean being free to do as we like. It means being free to do as we ought. And who knows, you know, the Bible says that we who are in Christ are truly free. And, uh, and, and that's a whole other topic in itself. But how often should we be people that automatically do things as we ought to do them as believers? And particularly when Jesus has showed us that there is a better way. So I believe, just coming back to those points, choosing the way of forgiveness requires these three things. And there's probably more, but hey, I've picked three and they all start with P. So uh, the first one is preparedness. And in John 15, 20, we don't have this scripture, but it's where Jesus said that no servant is greater than his master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. It would appear by reading the, the scripture and the text in in uh, Acts 6 and 7, where Stephen uh, came before these people that were falsely accusing him, it would seem that Stephen had knowledge of Jesus' prayer when he was crucified. And, and, and Stephen's natural response was the response that Jesus uh, had, had warned us about or had warned them about and said that, you know, no servant is greater than his master. You know, you can fully expect people to push against you. You can fully expect people to, to want to resist what is in you. I've heard some remarkable stories recently of a nephew who was over in Newcastle um, sharing and uh, on the streets. And people that were, you know, uh, occupied, let's just say, or possessed by other spirits came up against the goodness of God in these young people. And, you know, there was, there was a, a, a tension that took place. You know, there is a tension that takes place because we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And people uh, who, who don't know about that way and, 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 and it's foreign to them, there can often be pushback against those things. And we see that in the Scriptures here and we saw it in the life of Jesus and we see it again in the life of Stephen. And he says, since they persecuted me naturally, they'll also persecute you. So I believe one of the first things we need is we need pre preparedness. We need to be prepared. We need to acknowledge that this is not some foreign thing. When people come and they grade us the wrong way or they, they even, you know, take swipe at our faith because of who we are, because of what we stand for, because of who we represent. It's, it's, it's not something that we should be surprised about. In fact, it's something we should be very prepared for. And I believe that, that Jesus was wanting his disciples as he's wanting us today to be prepared. So the first thing we need to do is to be prepared in choosing the way of forgiveness. The second one is we need to have perspective. One of the things I see about, about Jesus and, uh, and particularly Stephen paralleled in these stories, you know, Jesus said, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And sometimes I've found myself asking myself the question, why are they doing this? 
What cause does this person have to, to bring pain into my life in some way? Well, I haven't done anything to wrong. You know, when we can, we can say that I, I, I could defend myself and say, I haven't done anything. I've, I've always tried to be friendly. I've always tried to bless. I've always tried to be a blessing to other people. And yet I'm repaid by this evil, by this wrongdoing. You know, I think there's a lot of Psalms where David, King David even reflected. He says, you know, often he gets repaid evil for the good that he does. And that certainly was the case uh, with King Saul in, in Samuel. Um, but you know, in life, you know, we can often, we, we often need perspective. We often need to be able to reflect and say, who really are these people anyway? If there's a person that has offended you or there's something that's come against you, who are they? They're just people. <laughs> they're just broken. They're, they're people that, that are in need of the love of a saviour. There are people that need to know that there is hope in Jesus. And I, I often think about this point because it, it gets me a lot because I believe that we really need to have perspective to see things from the way that Jesus sees them. Just as Jesus, you know, saw those people as as having you know, as they were like sheep without a shepherd and he was moved with compassion. To get to that place where our perspective is to look with the eyes of Jesus and see a greater eternal purpose. It's not just about my comfort right now. It's not just about my emotions or the way that I've been wrong, but it's about the eternity of someone that could come into the kingdom of heaven and be moved with the love and compassion that God has for all people. So we need to be prepared. We need to have perspective. And the third one is we need to be prayerful. Prayerfulness needs to be who we are. See, in praying for their enemies, not only did both Jesus and Stephen set before us perfect examples of how we should treat those who wrong and hate us, but they also teach us never to regard anyone as being beyond the reach of prayer. We think about this. Matthew Chapter 5 and verse 44, Jesus said this, But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for anyone who mistreats you. Friends, this is the way of the kingdom. This is the way of the kingdom is to actually pray for our enemies, to actually pray for those who do the wrong thing by you. Pray for them. Anyone who does anything wrong, not just to pray for them, but it says here to love them. And last week we were talking about love and the effects that love can have on our lives and how we should love others. So we need to be prayerful. We need to be people that never regard anyone being beyond the reach of the power of prayer. And let us think about this for a moment. What was the results of Jesus praying that prayer on the cross? Was it just a good thing for Jesus to do and say and, and as an example for us, Father, forgive them, do not hold you know, this, this sin against them? I'm inclined to think about the day of Pentecost and where the, the apostles were, were filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter gets up on his soapbox and starts speaking to these same people who crucified Jesus. And he spells it out from, this is what you did. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that 3,000 people came to faith that day. Friends, that's the power of prayer. 
That's the power of forgiveness. That even on the cross, as those nails were being driven into Jesus' hands, his heart was to see people released and come into the freedom that he was about to purchase for them. And that's the encouragement to us today, to think about the power of prayer and praying for forgiveness over people's lives and what it can actually do for people. The Bible also tells us in in, um, Stephen's circumstance or his situation that there was a young man named Saul who was present and he thoroughly agreed with the stoning of Stephen. And we know that that Saul went on to become Paul, a, a, a super apostle, someone who wrote the majority of the, the letters and epistles in the, in the New Testament. You know, the power of forgiveness can bring someone into saving grace. And I wonder today whether, whether we will be people that are inclined to forgive our enemies and to, to love on our enemies for a greater cause, not just to make us feel better, but because Jesus showed us that that was the way to do it. He showed us and instructed us that that was the way that we should go in this life. If Christ prayed for murderers, then surely we have a reason to be praying for that man, that woman, that wayward child, that unjust employer, that work colleague that says all sorts of stuff and spreads all sorts of rumors. Surely we can be people that can also pray for those that do the wrong things by us and and love them. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14 and verse 15, I just want to close with this scripture and it's from the message. It says, in prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part sort of want to end where we started today today i just want to ask you is there an irritating rattle in your tailgate (laughs) is there something that you find yourself you know just out doing life it's a fine sunny day and all of a sudden there's a rattle in the tailgate You're being reminded about something that that still hasn't been dealt with. Friends, I just want to invite us today to come to a place where we can deal with those rattles. We can deal with those things that really shake our cage. Those people, those offenses, those wrongs. And and I'm not here to say that that these things aren't bad because they certainly are and they can leave such a a mark upon our lives and upon our souls. But I believe that, that the Holy Spirit's just inviting us today to say, hey, will you... Will you today choose today to choose the way of forgiveness? Choose to forgive those that have done the wrong thing by you. Choose to pray for them. Choose to get a heart and to actually love them. We need to remember the cross. Christ prayed for his enemies. Learn then not to look on any as beyond the reach of prayer. Nobody, nobody is beyond the reach of prayer. And that's our privilege. We get to pray for people and we get to love people. God is good, amen. Hey, let's be encouraged today to be people that choose the way of forgiveness in our life, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we find ourselves. We 
we stand out because we are truly different. Amen. God's made us to be his representatives.